Warning. The Humps Podcast is rated 18 plus for sexual content and graphic language. Listener discretion is advised. Good day, everyone, and welcome back to Humps. Today, we're talking about body image and condom use. I'm sure some of you kind of lifted an eyebrow looking at the title thinking, what the heck do these have to do with each other? And I assure you, one affects the other, and we're going to talk about how. So the reason I wanted to talk about this subject today was because I currently went through a course through ASPISH, which is an organization that provides sexual health courses online. And there was a course that I took that was by Colleen Larson that was about sexuality and mental health body image. And I'll leave the link down below of where to find this if you want to take it, but I do believe it's expired. I'm not sure if it'll come back up because I'm still new to this, but if it does, you will have your information to go back to that. So she, within her course, left us with an article that was by... Deborah Schooler, and it was called or is called Early Adolescent Body Image Predicts Subsequent Condom Use Behavior Among Girls. And this was published online on October 6th of 2012. And I'll leave the linking information if you guys want to find it online uh, in my links below. So essentially, this article was really eye-opening for me and I thought it was really relevant to basically inform as many people as possible about how this is important to know because it's such a, I guess, untalked about subject or not well-known subject. I believe it's more felt than it is talked about that I thought I'd bring it to the table to discuss. First of all, I will basically read um, an excerpt from this article on page 52 to kind of give you an idea of what we're diving into. So to quote exactly from this page, it says, Abstract. This study investigates prospective associations between body satisfaction and condom use among adolescent girls and examines whether these associations are moderated by ethnicity or early initiation of sexual activity. When they mentioned ethnicity, I was already kind of, I guess, uncomfortable talking about that. Multiple reasons as to why. But uh, the main reason was after reading the article, I didn't find that the ethnicities that they were talking about or the main one that they kept bringing up had enough information for me to say how I felt about it or really give enough relevant information on it. So this article does mention ethnicity, specifically Latinas, and I don't find that for myself there is enough information to talk about this in, in enough depth. So I'm thinking of covering this subject on a different episode. But if you do choose to read the article, the information that she has is there. But uh, I will not be touching on it too much uh, out of personal preference. So essentially, we're going to dive into this. And this survey for this, this article was done in the northeastern part of the U.S. And it was tested with adolescent girls who were in grade 8, 10 and 12. So to give you an idea in age, because 
yes, I can understand grades and such, but for some people, wherever they're from, wherever you're listening to this too, I don't know if your school system is based on grade eight, grade nine, grade 10, and so on and so forth. I know within Canada, just in Quebec, the school system is completely different. So I'm just going to include age groups so that you kind of have a better idea of how this works. So for the grade eight group, you're looking at 13 to 14 year olds. For grade 10, you're looking at 15 to 16 year olds. And for grade 12, you're looking at 17 to 18 year olds, just to give you a better idea of kind of the age groups that we're dealing with here. So I was kind of curious as to why they specifically picked girls because I mean, I don't think a lot of adolescent people are exactly comfortable in their skin or comfortable at all with the hormones and everything and social media throwing them a bunch of unsolicited information and judgment and so on and so forth. So I read through the article and it seemed like the reason they chose girls for this study was because they seem to be the ones at the highest risk of contracting STIs, mostly due to unprotected sex, which I found curious because I'm thinking to myself, does that mean that a lot of the people contracting the STIs are, is there lesbian sex going on or whatnot? Like why, why are people with penises excluded (laughs) is kind of what I'm thinking because I, I just, in my mind, there was no reason as to why it was particularly adolescent girls or if it was just adolescents, adolescent girls went to the hospitals more frequently to get these things treated. Like, I just feel like there's a lot of missing information there. But apparently the statistic says that adolescent girls are more at risk. In 2006, there was less than 30% of girls that said they were using condoms every time they had sex. Most said they used a condom when they lost their virginity, though. And that doesn't really surprise me, unfortunately. I know that there's a lot of people who don't use condoms. But again, don't understand why the other gender wasn't included or other people in general. I don't assume it's just the girls that have this issue, but This is specifically concentrated on people who identify as girls, aka women. So then, since the condom use is low and STIs are high, the hope is that if condom use goes up, then STI rates will lower, which makes sense. We've constantly seen this through time where people are trying to, say, use a condom, helps prevent the spread of STIs, STDs, hopefully, It's important to use, but I really don't think that enough people are getting that information. Or if they are, it's not presented in a way that is, I don't know, digestible for youth or interesting or really puts an impact or whatnot on whether or not they choose to use them. Like, I don't know if they understand the gravity of the situation because a lot of the words STIs and STDs are thrown around, but we're not really talking about the implications of those things. So you're not talking about the consequences of contracting something like this or not treating it for long periods of time. Like there's, there's a lot of lack in information. I feel I personally think that that could be a contributor, but back to the study. So the study is a, Its goal is to be able to figure out what's causing this to happen, the lackluster of condom use, and what can be done to change it. So we want to find the signs 
before this problem occurs so that we can stop it from happening. Because previous studies have shown that basically something that leads to more risky, my goodness, I wish I could speak, more risky sexual behavior was ethnic minority, lower class families, so people's families who make less money, and hitting puberty early. And those are early signs, yes, but we can't really do anything to change those factors. Like, you're not going to be able to change somebody's ethnicity or income and puberty. Well, that's, that's your biological clock. You can't control that either. So the study wanted to find a way to basically lower the amount of risky behavior happening by finding something that could predetermine the kids using less condoms and intercept that so that they start using more, which is difficult because it feels like there could be a lot of things. And they did study other things. So the other thing they looked at that was outside of their control was relationships that were affecting sexual risk. So the things that they looked at in that was basically the length of the relationship, how healthy the relationship was, or if it was a lot of controlling behavior, and how early they were having sex within that relationship. So all those factors, again, not really something you can control. And there's, again, there's no real course for kids to learn what a healthy relationship looks like. And all they really have is whatever examples they have at home, social media, and what have you, which I mean, not the greatest all the time. So the idea was, what can we do to help? What is the one factor that we might be able to basically manipulate or change to help girls use condoms more consistently? And then the idea of body image came up because studies show that more than 50% of girls are not happy with their bodies before puberty. So even before they're awkward, before you hit that point where you're like, hormones are nuts. You already don't have, ha you already have a high chance of not liking your body. It's, it is what it is. 50% is very high in my opinion. And then the rate that high school girls that struggle with body image can be up to 80%. So then it just keeps skyrocketing from there. It is just a snowball effect of not feeling good about yourself. So the rates are high, which is problematic. So then the other thing that they looked at within the realm of body image was how society has objectified women and girls. And girls seem to have gotten used to being objectified by their media and peers, which then turns into self-objectification, -object which means you're just not happy with your body because you're not up to the standard, which the standard is always next to impossible to reach. And then in turn of that, you're not happy with your body. So you, would, you won't negotiate or say what you want for yourself or your body. So kind of an example situation. If a boy doesn't want to wear a condom, you don't feel comfortable saying otherwise because you think of yourself as a sexual object that isn't good enough. So if you don't view yourself as good enough, then it's like, well, I don't have a say here, which not good. Let's not have that. But the reality of the situation nonetheless. So then the flip side of that is how do we change this? we basically need to help girls develop a better body image. So how do you do that? 
because obviously we can't stop social media and traditions are hard to break. Like traditional America, traditional most places seem to objectify women. So it's hard to break that as well. So what can we do to intervene that? So then there was a study done with a three-month program called Happy Being Me that was presented to seventh grade girls. And when there was a report back on the results of this, the girls said they basically felt less need to diet, which is great. And they were happier with their bodies. So there is programs that we can implement in schools at younger ages that help these girls develop a better sense of good body image, which is great. We want that. We should be, should be implementing that and should be taking steps to have these programs available to youth so that they can feel better in their skin to prevent these problems. So then this study was done in a school that was selected specifically because it had the highest rate of teen pregnancy, which I found somewhat alarming because <laughs> in my mind, I'm thinking, how do you know this school has the highest rate of teen pregnancy? Is there like a chart that schools carry that are like, okay, this many teenagers this year or like, you just keep stats of that. I just don't understand how, how that would be done or why it would be done or that it was done at all, honestly. Because you couldn't just go on Facebook and see how many people got pregnant within that school to know that. There would have to be some kind of stat, I would think, at the school. So I'm curious to see if that's actually a thing and how they knew that. But keep going on. There was 182 adolescent girls recruited. So adolescent from 13, 14-ish. And then 93% or if you want numbers, 148 students became participants with parents' consent because they had consent forms sent home and then the parents filled them out before they took part. And then all the information of the students was kept confidential or, you know, private. So basically their names and so on and so forth. Everything that was gathered was just their answers. And then from their grade eight students, 148 students participated in this survey that was specifically about body image and sexual history. And then the next group, which was the grade 10s, 84% came back. And then at the end, there was 62% that did the survey all three times. And they did mention here that 34 of the adolescent girls were not there for grade eight, but took part in grade 10 and 12. So I mean, they had additional people joining and their total of girls that completed this all three times was 92. So I mean, still a bit of a good range, enough to kind of show you what's going on and what's most common to happen. So the questions that they were given were asked on a scale. So basically, you know, the typical question, scale of one to 10, one being not at all, 10 being all the time. But of course, these would be altered in order to work with said survey subjects. So the sexual questions and whatnot. So then they break it down into what the students were actually tested on. So the first thing that they looked at was sexual experience. And then they broke it down into 
I guess you could say six different things, even though it's really just five because zero is none. But then it goes from hand holding and then kissed on the mouth and then touched someone or been touched underneath clothes or with no clothes on and then oral sex and then goes on to sex. The thing that I thought was super messed up about this scale was that the grade eights, so the 13, 14 year olds, were not allowed to be asked the question about oral sex, but allowed to be asked about sex. My reaction to that was what the actual fuck? (laughs) Because, I mean, a lot of people that I know of, before they actually initiated penetrative sex, had oral sex. And like, why, why are we preventing that age group from answering that question when their parents consented to it, first of all. And second of all, let's just skip over one of the things that sex may include, like, does not make any sense, but that was the school rules on this survey, which in my opinion was just, I I just have no words for that. I think it should have been included for all age groups to have a more accurate result and not only that if you're going to talk about sex why are you excluding oral sex it's within the same same thing it's really it just feels like a silly thing to exclude period then the next thing they covered in said survey was condom use so the scale went from zero which is never to three being always then they talked about the ethnicity which is the three options that they had And then they had socioeconomic status. So basically based on parents' education and uh, income forward slash welfare. So they looked at all of these things to then create charts to try and figure out what was the common outcomes of these things. Like if you did so many things before this age, what was the likely outcome? And so on and so forth. And just trying to grab all that information and see what was the constants. And there was a lot talked about for the results. And I mean, to try and crunch it all within one episode was a bit mind numbing. It was already kind of difficult to kind of break down what I read so far or have covered up until this point in this episode into basic English, because this is a research column. So there's a lot of in my opinion, complex wording or words that aren't typically used on your day-to-day that I had to try and break apart to make it understandable. And to go through the whole thing and all the answers is a bit much to digest the first shot. So for this episode, I just wanted to stop at this point to kind of, you know, give you an idea of what we're heading into for the next episode. And then... We'll talk about more the next time. So I hope you enjoyed so far what we talked about. I hope you're intrigued to listen to part two because part two will have some pretty eye-opening results. And if there's anything you want to talk about or want to mention, please leave me a review. Please rate this podcast to help me out to get more people listening and talking about this stuff. And if you want to see me on Instagram, my Instagram page is danielle.m.laflamme. And like I said previously, if you're wondering about any of the subjects that I'm talking about in this episode, the links are down below in my show notes. 
and I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.